Morning, Journey. So about two months ago, I started this deal that I didn't know would go this long of, I found this meme on like Facebook or something, a stupid dad joke, and so I sent it to my oldest son who's an eighth grader because I thought it was funny. It was funny. Um, he has his mother's sense of humor, so he didn't think it was funny. And uh, so he, he texts me back. He's like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Like, why do you send me this? And so then, of course, being the mature adult that I am, I sent him another one. And then he's like, so then I started doing it every day. And so like literally every day for the last about 30, 45 days, I send him some stupid dad joke meme. It sucks up like an hour of my day. Like I try to find one and all I ever get in response is please stop doing this. What are you doing? Why do you do this? Oh my gosh, you are a horrible person. Like I get all these texts, so it's just fueling my fire. And so I thought this morning to start, I would share the top five with you. And so here's, here's the number, here's one. I saw a nice flock of cows today. No, it's a herd of cows. Of course I've heard of cows. They go moo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. It gets worse. Uh, <laughs> let's look at the next one. Can you help me on a crossword? The clue is overworked postman. Sure. How many letters? Well, I'm guessing too many. <laughs> All right. One more, a couple more here. This was the worst one. Be careful, it could be an online scam if you're a fisherman. The next one's my favorite. I had to show my wife the photo I took as she didn't believe me when I told her I saw a unicorn today. <laughs> Thank you, that was the original one. Like, that's great, right? And so this is, this is really my favorite. This is borderline, okay? It says, your mom is so slow it took her nine months to make a joke. Thank you. Right. Right. So this morning, Dave has asked me to preach on maturity. <laughs> I found this last week. The probability of me maturing, black is none, yellow also none, but it's yellow and it makes it look like Pac-Man. Um, actually, at some point this week, my wife said I'm starting to question Dave's ability to lead our church. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, you're preaching on maturity? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So this morning, Journey, more than ever, <laughs> we're going to dive into Scripture and learn together. Because Paul does have something to say. We're going to be back in Ephesians 4, where we were last week. And Paul has something to say about this idea of spiritual maturity. Now, now let me say this at the beginning. Maturity might look different than what you think. Like, like, we think maturity is like this word grown up, or it's this word where you're, you never make a joke, or you never laugh, or we think it means that you can't be childish, or you can't be childlike. And in fact, Scripture commands us to be childlike, but Paul says there's a difference between being childlike and being childish. And, and so in Ephesians, we're going to be in chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 11, because 11 and 12 kind of set the context for what we want to talk about this morning, and actually next week we're going to go back and Dave's going to talk about 11, 12, and a little bit of the stuff before that. But this is what Paul says, he says he gives some to be apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, and all those people, Paul says, are to equip the saints, us, the people, the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. And we're going to talk about that, that next week, about gifts and how we use all those things together to build up the body of Christ. But Paul says this, he says, they build up the body of Christ until, the body of Christ is built up until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure 
of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, by deceitful schemes. Rather, we would speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Jesus from whom the whole body, all of the church, is joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped with each part. When each part is working properly together in the church, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And, and in these short five verses, Paul tells us that when the body of Christ is working together, when we're a disciple-making church, all the things that we've been talking about the last few weeks here at Journey, all the things that we're called to do, when all of that is working together, the goal is that the church, the people of God, would grow into the maturity of Jesus. So what does that look like, <laughs> Right? Because there's different people in different walks of life. Like, that's what Paul talks about right before this, is that all of us have different gifts, we all have different talents, we all have different personalities, we all have different backgrounds, we all come from different walks of life. So what does a mature disciple of Jesus looks like? Well, the first thing Paul says is a mature disciple, it means that we look like Jesus. That's what Paul says, that's what he means when he says that you grow up into the fullness of Jesus Christ. In actuality, this sermon this morning is really, really simple. What does a mature Jesus follower look like? What does a mature, grown-up disciple look like? They look like Jesus. They look like Jesus. But, but there's, there's more to it than this. Because, because I think a lot of times it's easy for us to say that, right? Like, it's easy to say, what does a disciple look like? Well, they look like Jesus. How do you know if you're a disciple? Well, I look like Jesus. Do you look like Jesus? Yeah. Is Jesus the most important person in your life? Yeah. Do you try to follow him in every aspect? Yeah. But here's what I think it is. A mature disciple looks like Jesus, don't miss this, in everything we do, in every aspect of our life. Let me say that again. A mature disciple in Jesus looks like Jesus in everything they do, in every aspect of their life. Now, I don't know about you, but the second half of that phrase changes the ballgame for me. <laughs> that, that Paul is talking about growing up and maturing in such a way that there's never a moment in my life, there's never any part of my life that I'm not trying to look like Jesus. In fact, Paul says we should look like all the things that he described earlier in the chapter. A few weeks ago, Dave read these verses, verses 1 through 3, where Paul says, As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a, in a manner worthy Worthy of the gospel, worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And what does that look like? Well, it's, it's humility and gentleness and patience. It means we bear with each other in love. It means we're eager to maintain unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. <clears throat> and Paul says the first evidence of a mature disciple in Jesus is that we are growing and we are learning and we are walking and looking like Jesus in everything we do in every aspect of our life. That, that as followers of Jesus, we're, we're feeding on God's word, and we're living that out as we minister to other people just like Jesus in everything we do, in every aspect of our life. You're going to get real sick of that phrase by the end of the sermon, just FYI, okay? Well, Paul goes on, if we're going to look like Jesus, what does that look like? 
Like, like specifically, what does maturity in Jesus look like? Well, he says maturity means that we're doctrinally stable. That, that's what Paul's talking about in verse 14, that he says when you're mature in Christ, you're stable in what you believe. You're built on the foundation of the word of God. And that means that we're not tossed to and fro by every random teaching or every random fad, that we stand on the unchanging truth of God's word. What Paul is saying is that as we grow to look more like Jesus, as we walk as disciples of Jesus, then this is our guide. And that there's nothing that happens to us or happens around us or even tries to happen in us that steers us away from God's word. What, what Paul is saying is that we are stable, we are, are firm, so that when things come that try to pull us away from Jesus, that they don't do that. That everything in our life and every aspect of our life doesn't take us away from Jesus. And I, I know what you're thinking. If you've come to church for a long time or if you've been a Christian for a long time, you're like, yeah, that's exactly what they need to hear, <laughs> right? I don't get pulled away by things that, that I don't ever have those moments in my life. Like, my life is built on the foundation of God's word. And I try to live that out in every moment. I can't think of anything that, that steers me away from who Jesus wants me. Like, there's not moments or aspects of my life where that happens, right? Well, then I got to thinking about my own life this week. And so I'll just ask you the questions that the Holy Spirit asked me, so I'm not the only one that feels terrible about their life this morning, okay? <laughs> Can I ask, if, you, if you're in that camp and you think, you know, I've never been tossed to and fro by things of the Word. Not, nothing changes the way I live for Jesus. Have you ever been a parent at a sporting event? Yeah, some of you that are laughing, you have. <laughs> or you've sat next to one, right? I used to be, this is the best combo ever, just for the record. I used to be a preacher and a football coach. Like in a town, a small town, smaller than Wayne. And so like literally the guy who would get up and give the communion meditation on Sunday morning also called me a horse's butt on Friday night. That's a real story. <laughs> like doesn't, doesn't that do something to you, right? Have you ever gotten overly involved in politics or commenting on politics on social media, maybe in a way that, that isn't quite how Jesus would comment? Have you ever been led astray maybe by a kid or a spouse or a parent or a friend who believed something that you knew contradicted Scripture, but, but you didn't want to hurt their feelings, so you just said, oh, yeah, I agree with that too? Have you ever had tragedy in your life that makes Makes you, makes you wander away from who Jesus called you to be? Have you ever had things in your life that, that distract you from the foundation of God's word, right? Things that, that take you away from what really matters. Things that, that take us away from Jesus being the most important thing in everything we do in every aspect of our life, right? Yeah, there, there's all kinds of things, right? There's, there's nothing, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I've heard of something called COVID. If you guys have heard of that. Have you ever noticed how that can take a lot of our attention and things away? Have you ever been swayed? Yeah, me either. Never. I've never been tossed to and fro by anything in this world. That's sarcasm. Also a true sign of maturity, in case you were wondering. <laughs> see, see, I think what Paul's talking about here is incredibly hard. I think it's incredibly hard. Like, how do you... How do you live in such a way that everything in your life and every aspect of your life is built and steady and sure and firm and looks just like Jesus? That's incredibly hard. 
It's incredibly hard. The writer of Hebrews talked about it in chapter 5. He said, about this, we have much to say. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. He said, by this time, he's talking to the church, some of you ought to be teachers, and yet you need someone to still teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk. You, You don't even need solid food yet. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. Solid food is for those and their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You know what stood out to me in that passage from Hebrews? Constant practice. Now, now let me be clear this morning, Journey. This does not, does not, big, it's, it's in big capital letters on my notes, okay? This does not mean that a mature disciple has it all figured out. In fact, I would tell you, if you think you have it all figured out, that's a sign of immaturity. It does not mean that we have it all figured out. It does not mean that you and I have nothing left to learn. What Paul is calling us to is to grow in our understanding and to continually discover and learn and grow from Scripture. Paul is not saying, Paul is not saying that our minds can never be changed. He's not even saying that they shouldn't ever be changed. Paul's not saying that our opinions should never be swayed. What Paul is saying is that that should be done by Scripture and Scripture alone. See, I think one of the signs of a mature disciple is that when you and I go to Scripture, we believe that God still has something to teach us. That when you and I go to Scripture, we expect that God might change our mind on something that we had wrong. That's a sign of maturity. And Paul says when we stand on God's word, then that means the next step for a disciple is that you and I, we we have to join truth, God's word, and love together. We we have to join truth and love together. He literally says that in verse 15. Truth and love. And we always talk about this, right? We talk in the church about sharing the truth and love. But have you ever noticed how hard that is to live out in everything you do? (laughs) in every aspect of your life. Like, it's really easy, at least for me, to talk about truth and love, but in everything I do, in every aspect of my life, that is incredibly hard. Like, there are moments in my life where it's really easy to tell people this is what's right. But, but when they disagree with it, you tell me I have to do it in love and gentleness and respect, that's really hard. There are moments in my life where it's really easy to love someone where they're at until they start going away from Scripture, and then I have to lovingly tell them, hey, I think this needs to change. That's incredibly hard. I I think speaking truth is really easy, (laughs) and I think loving people is really easy. I think speaking the truth in love is incredibly hard. And Warren Wearsby, the Bible scholar, says it this way. He says, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. But Paul tells us that truth with love is maturity. Is maturity. And I think that's why that's hard. I I don't know about you, but, but I think growing up is hard. I'm still working on it in case you haven't figured it out. (laughs) Like, I think being a grown-up is hard. Like, there are things in my life I don't want to be a grown-up in, right? 
Like, there was never a moment in my life where I went, I get to pay all my bills on my own? That is exciting. Like, I am fired up about that, right? There's never a moment where, like, my kids do something incredibly stupid, and then I have to go and talk to them and teach them where I go, you know what, I am I'm just fired up about this. I am so glad you got in trouble today so I could have this opportunity for growth, right? That's never came out of my mouth. There are things in my marriage where Megan and I have to talk about things that are hard, where we have to communicate. I never in my life go, you know what, I am super excited, Megan, to sit down and have a hard conversation about marriage. Let's light a candle and pop open a soda and let's have a convo. I'm excited. Like, that is not in my makeup. You know why? Because I don't like being a grown-up. <laughs> like, it's hard. But, but there came a moment in my life where I understood because of the experience that I have in life and because of the place and the situation that God has put me in, there are certain grown-up things that I have to do because that's who God's called me to be. And, and see, here's the deal is all those things I don't like. You know what also I don't like? I don't like going to jail because I didn't pay my bills. <laughs> so I do it because it's a better way of life for me. I, I talk to my kids because I want them to grow up as young men who follow and love Jesus and grow in maturity. And even if I don't like it, it's good for me. I, I, I talk to my wife about all those things because I want a healthy marriage that lasts until one of us dies, right? That's what I want because I know it's what's best for me. I know there's a better life in being a grown-up than if I just stayed a stupid little kid. 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter says, In your hearts, honor Jesus as Lord. Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. What that means is that you and I always have to be ready to tell people why we have hope in Jesus. But it never can be done in a, in a spirit of superiority or disrespect or anger or judgment. That's incredibly hard. But I would tell you this, that I think people have walked away from the church in the last 20 years by the droves because the church wasn't willing to grow up and be able to do this with truth and love. They walked away because truth wasn't being preached, or they walked away because it was being done in such a way that they didn't know that Jesus loved them. Paul says that when we grow and when we mature, it, it's done together. It's done together. Maturity means we contribute to the body of Christ together. That's what Paul says in verse 16 of our text this morning. In verse 16, Paul says, The whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part, which is us, each individual person, when we are working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What Paul says will grow our church is maturity in the body of Christ working together for the kingdom of God. And Dave's going to talk a lot about that next week, about a disciple-making church that works together and uses their gifts. But, but what Paul is saying here is that the mature disciple in Jesus at some point realizes 
that it's not about what we get in this life. It's not about what we get from this church. It's about what we can give. See, the reality is, I think we all know this, that we grow in maturity when we serve, right? We grow when we serve. It's when we're just consumers of the church or consumers of the faith that we don't grow. When we're just consumers, we remain immature and selfish because it's still all about what I like and what I want and what I get. But Jesus said in Matthew 20 that he didn't come for that. Jesus said the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so it makes sense that if maturity means we look like Jesus, then it means we can't come to be served either, but we have to come to serve and to give our life for other people who don't know Jesus. That it's not about us anymore. And church, that's hard, right? That, that everything can't be about me in everything in my life, in every aspect of my life. It has to be about Jesus and what's good for the kingdom. That's hard. And can we just be real this morning? It gets harder the older you get, right? <laughs> like I'm hitting that sweet spot. I almost bought a shirt the other day of this podcast I follow. It's a great shirt. It's just a white t-shirt and it has like a little patch of grass and it just says, get off my lawn. I feel like I'm hitting that stage of life. <laughs> like, I just want to sit on the front porch and be like, get off my lawn. That's what Paul's talking about, is that, that has no place in the church. That has no place in the life of a mature follower of Jesus. I, I talk about this with, with college students all the time who will graduate and they'll move somewhere else and they'll talk about looking for a church and they'll say, what do you look for in a church? And for years, all we ever used to say in the church was just find a place that you can be fed right? Oh, you're, you're moving down. Yeah, find a place that you can be fed. That'll be great. Find a place that you can be fed. Find a place that you can connect in community. And all those things are important. Don't get me wrong. I constantly tell college students, you need to find a church that teaches the Word of God. You need to find a church that you can find community in. But here's the deal. I tell our college students, if you've been a part of what we do here, if you've been a part of CSF and Crew and Journey and other churches in this community that teach the Word, if you've been a part of growing and faithfully following Jesus, then you need to go find a church you can serve because you're grown up. So I, I want you to find a place that you can be fed, and I want you to find a place that you can connect in a community, but if they don't let you serve, if they don't need your help, then go somewhere that does. Because the kingdom of God desperately needs people who will work together to serve for the good of the kingdom. And part of being a mature disciple means that I don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It means that I'm involved. And it means I'll get involved in any way that my church needs. And if it's not the way that I want to be involved, well, that's okay. Because it's not about me anymore. And so if I don't get to do what I like and I have to do something that I don't like because it's a need, then I do it. And church, can I tell you, that is incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard. Because I think maturity is supposed to be hard. <laughs> I, I think it's supposed to be something that calls us beyond who we are. But, but church, isn't that what discipleship is? Isn't discipleship something that takes us beyond who we think we can be? Isn't discipleship where we walk alongside of someone and help them experience something that they never thought they could 
because they serve a God who is bigger than who they are. But we have to do that together. A, a disciple-making church walks alongside of each other and calls the greatness of God out of each other. It, it, it's a team sport, like Dave talked about last week. And, and like I said, he's going to talk more about this next week, but don't miss this. Maturity comes while you serve. Comes while you serve. You do not have to be a big, grown-up, full, mature disciple of Jesus to serve the church. Because serving will help you grow up. <laughs> and the fact is, none of us are where we need to be anyway. And so, so we need to serve. We, we all know that, right? We've all experienced that, right? That when you teach, you learn more when you teach than if you were in the class. We do that all the time, right? We're doing that this morning. I'm learning way more than you people are, <laughs> right? Some of you are like, amen, <laughs> right? But you held it in because you're more mature than me. Good job. But that's what it's about. It's about growing to look more like Jesus together. And it's about picking each other up when we don't look as much like him as we should. And it's about rooting for each other and it's about telling each other that you can do this. A disciple-making church helps each other look more like Jesus. And I hope you get that this morning. As the band comes to lead us this morning as we continue to worship, I think that's what the parable about the, the rock and the sand was about, right? Where Jesus said there was a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the wind and the waves came and the house blew away and it was gone. And there was a smart man who built his house on the rock and the waves and the winds and the storm came, but the house stood solid. But I thought about that this week. That nowhere in scripture does it tell us that outside of the foundation that the house was any different. As far as we know, the houses were exactly the same except the foundation that they were built on. And, and you know what's funny to me is if, if, if that's a real story, if, that's, if that continues on, the house that's built on the rock, you know what? That house at some point would need repairs. At some point, that house wouldn't look the way that they thought it should. At some point, things would change so much around the house that they would want to repaint it. They'd want to add new carpet. They'd want to change the way it looks so it would fit more with the life and the culture that they live in. There'd be all kinds of changes to the house. There, there's nothing about the house. It wasn't the windows that kept it up. It wasn't the roof that kept it up. It wasn't the color of the paint that kept it up. The foundation was the only thing that was different in either house because houses will change constantly. But houses will not stand if they are not built on the mature, grown-up word of God. A disciple-making church our foundation has to be this. And part of growing up is that we constantly point each other to this. And when we disagree, that's okay. Because you and I, we're going to come back to this. Because that's what grown-ups do. When there's something that we're not sure is right, that's okay. Because we're going to come back to this. Because that's what grown-ups do. When, when, I'm, when I'm struggling in my life, you know what you're going to point me to? This. Because that's what grown-ups do. When you're struggling in your life, you know what I'm going to point you to? Is this. Because that's what grown-ups do. 
And, and the fun thing about a disciple-making church is that you can be who you are and who God created you to be. Your house can look completely different than mine. The paint on your walls will look way different than mine. Some of you will have a nice grown-up fireplace, and I'm going to have a water slide because I'm cooler than you. And that's okay because Jesus actually told me it's okay if I'm childlike. It's not okay if I stay childish. And your house can look different and my house can look different because here's the deal. Your house and my house are going to be built on this. And when the waves of change and worry and all those things that try to take us off of that come, you and I will cling to this. And we'll point back to this. And by the grace of Jesus, you and I will continue to grow to look more like Jesus. That's what we invite you to this morning. To worship the one who lays the foundation of grace and truth the foundation of the cross where truth came and confronted sin wholeheartedly and paid the price for you and me. The foot of the cross where grace was shown so that you and I can have life and forgiveness and freedom forever. That's who we worship. That's the foundation we stand on. And that's who you and I together can grow to be more like. Let's do that as we stand and worship this morning.